0: Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So, some big drama coming out today in the macroeconomic world. Stan Druckenmiller is going savage mode on Janet Yellen. <laughs> he is calling her out. He says she needs to be fired. This is possibly the biggest blunder in the history of the treasury going all the way back to Alexander Hamilton. So let's get into this story. Check out why Stan Druckenmiller is going beast mode. <laughs> whatever you want to, whatever the, the Josh, what do you call it? You got to tell me what your age group is calling. It. He's calling yeah, her I out. Think he's I, I think, he, I don't know what he's doing. How would you uh, say that? How would the Gen Zers say that? I have exactly what you did. He's, he just open up a can, he's up opening up a can of whoop ass on her <laughs> a verbal can yeah. of whoop ass. Oh, <laughs> uh, but in what will come to a surprise for most of you, and we'll discuss this at the end of the video, is how, in all honesty, I actually agree with Janet Yellen. I disagree with Stan Trucken Miller. So let's go into this article this story from zero edge and check it out the title biggest blunder in the history of the treasury druck dunks on yellen and then they say her husband (laughs) appears to agree i guess with stan druckenmiller here billionaire hedge fund manager stan druckenmiller pulled no punches during a fireside chat with legendary trader paul tudor jones at a recent robin hood foundation event slamming treasury secretary janet yellen In his view, Yellen made the worst mistake in the history of the Treasury by not issuing more long-dated government bonds before the Fed began hiking rates earlier, early last year, and that Druck believes has helped pave the way for a debt disaster. And this is where I start to disagree with him here. And I think that one of the main lessons that we can learn is that even someone as good as Stan Druckmann, quite arguably, maybe the best investor of all time, or maybe the best trader of all time, when you look at his track record, still doesn't, I would argue, might not completely understand the global monetary system. And uh, although Druck has had year after year after year after year after year of 30% plus returns, he still only gets it right. And he admits that he only gets it right, maybe 55, maybe 60% of the time at most. It's just he's so darn good at doubling down on his winners and cutting his losses. He's so good at the the mental component here. He's so good at implementing a strategy, and he's so good at being completely agnostic and taking his emotion and his opinions out of the equation. You know, I've never seen anyone that can change their mind faster than Stan Druckenmiller. And in the world of trading, that's a good thing. I have heard him come out on CNBC and say that he hates bonds and one week later that he loves them and they'll call him out and say, well, yeah, last week I hated him, but now I love him. You know, things changed and he can just change his mind just instantly like that. I remember hearing a story that he told in market wizards. I, I, I can't remember if it was the first one or the second one where he was talking to Jack Schwager. You know, there was three volumes. And if you haven't read those books, you have to, they're fantastic, but he's telling a story of black Monday in 1987. And he said that he was actually long stocks going into Friday, the Friday before Black Monday. And I might be getting a slightly wrong. So because I haven't read the book in a long time, but you'll see the story that I'm referring to if you uh, read the book or the PDF or whatnot. And he said that he was long, just I think going into the close on Friday, because for a variety of reasons, he was bullish. And then he got a call or he had a meeting with someone that he respected and that the person outlined a bearish argument and on the spot on the spot or no, you know what? I think it was long after the close on Friday and he had this meeting or this lunch or dinner or something like that with this guy like on Sunday night, just prior to black Monday and this 10, 15 minute conversation that they had at dinner or lunch, whatever it was, Made him completely change his mind, and he went from being wildly bullish to massively bearish, just boom like that. So as soon as he went into uh, the office, you know whatever it was, four or five o'clock in the morning on Monday, he started putting in uh, these sell orders, and he he didn't he lost some money, but he got out uh, long before the market had bottomed. For the day at down, you know, whatever it was, 25%. So my point here is that's something that we should take away from Stan Druckenmiller. something that he does really, really well, but he's not infallible. He's not perfect. And I think his lack of understanding of the global monetary system shines through this article. So let's keep going here and I'll show you specifically what I'm referring to. He says, when, this is a quote from him, when rates were practically zero, every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Mary in the United States refinance, refinance their mortgage, Druckenmiller said. Unfortunately, we had one entity that did not. That was the U.S. Treasury. He said, Janet Yellen, I guess because political myopia, whatever, was issuing two years at 15 basis points when she could have issued 10-year at 70 basis points or 30-year at 180, Druckenmiller continued. Here's another quote from him. I literally think if you go back to Alexander Hamilton, it was the biggest blunder in the history of the treasury i have no idea why she's not been called out on this she has no right to still be in that job basically she should be fired who could have seen that coming every caddy i knew every locker room person everybody in america was refinancing their mortgage every corporation was extending their debt he added then he goes on to talk about how in the future the interest rate cost to the federal government is going to go up so high that it's going to be very difficult To issue enough bonds at a manageable interest rate, bonds meaning treasuries, at a manageable interest rate for the government to avoid this deficit uh, debt doom loop that you always hear about. And just to summarize, the argument there is that interest rates will continue to go up because of the supply side of the equation because the market knows that Janet Yellen is gonna to have to issue more and more treasuries. So you have the supply going up, even if demand stays the same, the price goes down, that means interest rates go up and up and up. The further interest rates go up, the more of that short-term debt they have to roll over, but they have to roll it over to higher interest rate, which increase the borrowing costs. The higher the borrowing costs go, the higher the deficits go, the higher the deficits go, the higher the interest rates go. So this is the argument for this deficit, federal debt doom loop kind of spiral. And that's what Stan Druckenmiller goes on to explain. Here is what I think Stan Druckenmiller misses. And here, I, I mean, I it just, I hate to say it, guys, but I have to be objective. I, I'm not going to sit here and, and state anything other than my honest opinion, <clears throat> whether it's popular or not. And I must say, in this case, I disagree with Stan Druckenmiller and I agree with Janet Yellen. And here's why I say that. It is true that, st- that we could be heading toward this debt or deficit doom loop. But it's always a matter of trade-offs, like Thomas Sowell teaches us. There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. So Stan Druckenmiller, in my opinion, based on what he's saying, doesn't understand the global monetary system well enough to understand what the trade-offs are. Janet Yellen, I think, might have. Let's go over to a chart of the three-month treasury, and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. And for those of you who have been watching my videos and my whiteboard videos for the past couple years, you probably know where I'm going with this. That when Stan Druckenmiller was talking about the Fed starting to raise rates, so that would have been right around in here, you know, the beginning of 2022, And at that time, interest rates very low. His argument is that why on earth understanding that interest rates are going to go higher? Wouldn't you issue as much as you can at the long end of the curve? Well, what I don't think Druckenmiller realizes is that at this time, the three month T-bill was trading well under reverse repo. Now, at times it went slightly above, but then it would go way below. And it really hasn't gone up above reverse repo until uh, what, maybe six months ago, something like that. I, I'd have to look at uh, uh, some other charts to tell you the exact timeline. But the concept is the same. The concept is that the yield on the three month treasury, when they started raising rates and for the, for the next year, for 80, 90% of the time, was trading way under reverse repo. And when I mean way under reverse repo, I mean like 50 or 60 basis points at times. So why is that a big deal? Because reverse repo is supposed to be the way that the Fed manages interest rates or a floor on interest rates. I think that's the best way to say it. So they've got three kind of main rates there that they use to keep overnight rates within a range of where their target range. They've got Fed funds, which is, as an example right now, 5.25%. So that's what they're paying interest on reserves. To so the banksters like Jamie Dimon, Goldman Sachs, all the banks that have reserve accounts with the Fed, those dollars are liability to the Fed, they pay them an interest rate. And that interest rate right now is 5.25%. That's what we call Fed funds. Now on the top side though, they, they want to manage interest rates there and on the downside. So the ceiling, they have the discount rate or whatever the heck they call it now. That would be their way of keeping rates within that range. So let's just assume right now that the discount rate is, we'll call it 5.45, 20 basis points over the uh, interest on reserves. So what this is, is the Fed saying, hey, if interest rates go up to a certain point, we don't want them going higher than that. So we'll offer a rate at 5.45. So even if an entity doesn't have, let's say, access to Fed funds, they can just go ahead and, if they're going bust or something like that, and they really, really need money, well, then they can go ahead and uh, access the discount window at 4 point, excuse me, 5.45 percent. And that keeps interest rates from going up to, let's say, 5.5. Because why would you borrow from an entity in the private sector, or a commercial bank as an example, at 5.5 percent when you could just borrow from the Fed at 5.45? You see, so now theoretically it should work. Sometimes it doesn't, but that's the Fed's mentality. Now on the downside, they have reverse repo. And this is where, not, you can, not that you can borrow from the Fed, but you can lend to the Fed. So you can lend to the Fed, let's say at 20 basis points under IOR. So for the sake of this example, 5.05%. So if you can lend to the Fed at 5.05%, and that's a collateralized loan, by the way, they're giving you treasuries, then why would you lend to anybody else at a lower interest rate? See, this is technically the way it's supposed to work. So that's how they manage the the range of where they want the overnight rate. The problem here is what we can see with three-month treasuries and the the four-week bill, same thing. As it, st- as it can trade way under. And when it starts trading 50, 60 basis points under, you have to sit there and scratch your head and say, why on earth would any entity choose to buy a, a four-week bill at 50 basis points less than they can just park their money at the Fed? It makes no sense unless you look at that treasury not just as a interest rate or a yield, but as collateral. See, that's how the game changes. What Janet Yellen saw, in my opinion, was when the three-month and the one-month treasury or T-bill were trading so far below reverse repo to the point where the Fed, it was completely out of the control of the Fed. They were losing control over the interest rates with the T-bills. What that is telling her is that there is a massive deficiency Of those T-bills in the marketplace, a massive deficiency of pristine collateral, a massive deficiency of the collateral that is needed for the entire global monetary system to operate. And when you see collateral trading at 50 basis points under reverse repo, this is a big red flag that you are getting close to what we call in the whiteboard videos, the no bueno zone. So Honestly, if I was Janet Yellen, I'd be doing the exact same thing. I would be issuing as many bills as I possibly could to get that interest rate up to or to exceed reverse repo. Because that would tell me that, okay, now I can take a deep breath because I know the marketplace has enough collateral. Because if they didn't, again, you'd see that T-bill trading way under reverse repo. So Janet Yellen, now I'm sure she could see what Druckenmiller is talking about long-term, how this could be a huge, huge problem. But in her mind, it's trade-offs. Do you solve the immediate problem right now that could potentially bring down the entire global monetary system? Or do you just roll the dice on that to hopefully solve the problem that we might have in three to five years? And the probability that that becomes a problem, especially when you're looking at Japan, is not 100%. Let's just say that it's 50-50, where the probability that the entire global monetary system melts down like it did during the GFC if it doesn't have enough collateral is not 100%, but let's just say it's 75%. So you've got to, it's a balancing act there. And honestly, like I said, if I was in Janet Yellen's position, I probably would have done the exact same thing because I think a, a bigger risk... To society at large on many different levels, is the global monetary system collapsing when compared to uh, the problem that would arise if the United States has an extra four or five hundred billion dollars a year in interest expense? So, there you go, guys. I think we can take away a lot of lessons from this that even the best investors out there, people that are far better than I'll ever be, still don't completely understand the system. And I would argue might not understand the system as much as a lot of you do from watching my videos or watching Jeff Snyder's videos as an example, or maybe Brent Johnson, some guys who, uh, I don't want to put myself in their category, but guys who really understand the system well. So I want to be clear, just because you understand the system doesn't mean that you're good at making money. (laughs) it doesn't mean that you're a good trader. It doesn't mean that you're a good investor, but if you're a good investor, I don't know how it can hurt you to understand the system better. And 99% of the time I'm going to side with Stan Druckenmiller. But this one time I've got to be honest where I would actually side with Janet Yellen. And I think that she did the right thing here, uh, given the situation, the circumstances that arose and uh, that this is a good lesson that even the best in the world might not completely understand the system. And if you do understand it, it's going to give you the rebel capitalist a huge edge when you're setting up your own portfolio. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. If you want to see more of the most interesting recent stories we've discussed right here on the channel, Josh will put put them in a playlist right about here.